Round one, fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry Gamers. Hello, 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 and welcome everyone to the 304th episode of the Hungry Gamers podcast. We are powered by Epic.net and those sexy legends over at Audio Technica. I'm your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan8Bits. And joining me today, as is tradition, my podcast, Right or Die, the Reinhardt to my Lucio. You can find her on them socials at Miss Ali Hart. Miss Ali Hart, how the bloody hell are you? Doing good, doing good. I haven't played Reinhardt in a hot minute, it feels like. Yeah, I haven't played a tank at all this uh, this season or this, you know, new entry into the franchise. Not tanking at all, just healing and occasionally doing very subpar DPS. So uh, maybe one day I'll get called to the front lines and try and absorb all that damage. But uh, we're back, 304th episode here, THG. Shall we just uh, cut out those formalities and just jump right on in? Because I'm itching to hear about your opinions on the squelchy, skin-crawling goodness that is Scorn. You finally got to play it this oh, week, no. and I want to hear all about it. Okay, so, like, let's take it back, right? When sure. this game first got announced, me, mm-hmm. and both, me and you were like, this looks fucking great. It, it, it's... It's, it's got a great vibe to it. It looks, you know, spooky. It looks space spooky and stuff like that. And I think I there's like probably a direct quote somewhere where I'm like, this game looks great. I'm sad I won't be able to play it because it's obviously going to be like too scary. Mm-hmm. I'm, sure. like, that, I'm, I'm almost certain that was like the like similar words left my mouth. Um, and then the week just passed, we saw a lot of reviews and a consistent thing in the reviews that I saw was it's not, it's not that scary. It's not a scary game. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. So I think I can definitely play this one. I still have refused to play it at nighttime Fair. because dreams and all that sort of stuff. My brain really likes to take elements from the day and then replay it in my head while I'm sleeping. So I thought that's not a smart idea before bed because I could only imagine what dreams I would have. So strict rule, play it while the day, like while the sun's out, daylight. So I've gotten to play about two hours, two, three hours, maybe. Okay. Um, I don't know exactly where that actually places me on the average playtime. It's, it's, I know that you said like it's very puzzly and it is, but um, for the most part, the puzzles have been pretty easy. Well, easy, solvable. Um, uh, But the overall vibe of this game it's incredible. I fucking love this game. This has been yes. the perfect game. It's exactly what I wanted out of the game. Um, I have never been just so just absolutely in awe of like an environment and just a person like like just how they've captured, they like, knew exactly what they had in mind for this game and they they put the details in they put the details in the graphic design and the just the grotesque organic nature of it all and like the sound design has been perfect as well like i'm i'm usually one to kind of throw my own background like music into when i'm playing a lot of games but with this i just have been completely like like just absolutely absorbed by everything that they've set up and I've not like strayed once. And the reason why I don't think I'm where I should be at everyone else's like two hour, three hour mark is because I am constantly stopping and just looking around at everything around me because the details and just being absolutely lost in this universe, this environment, this, this organic matter of a space station or whatever it is meant to be um it it is just incredible and I can't say enough good things on my personal experience it's it's very much something that I would love I it reminds me of old weird PC games I would stumble upon where it was gory it was gutsy and stuff but I just 
I think what they've done with this game for me personally is they they're not doing it like distastefully for shock factor I think everything has a purpose I think there are reasons to make you uncomfortable there are like shocking elements to just like you know startle you and like adding that with the puzzle backgrounds of how you like progress through this game it has just been an unreal experience and I I'm, I'm just I'm really looking forward to really getting into it and um understanding more of the game and uh where I'm at and what our character's main goal is exactly I was very interested in the fact that I'm curious of other people's experiences based on how the game doesn't tell you anything like literally does not tell you anything you just wake up and it's like there you go how did you find that like because yeah there's there's no mini map there's no quest points there's no you can pause and it says go here to find this it's just here you are humanoid creature in this alien living dreamscape go explore and and let the the world unpack its secrets as as you sort of wander around these little little hubs and it's i like it i like that it's so laid bare and it's so minimalistic in that way but i think with some people where they maybe do appreciate a little bit of hand holding where you can press a button and you know there's a compass map point that goes that direction or whatever or it'll highlight something in question not having that stuff can be a little difficult like like you said the puzzles they're not the hardest things in the world some of them do uh, require a little bit of thought or you need to sort of just scout the area around to sort of start visualizing how all this interconnects and then let it play out but yeah it, it um it takes a little bit of a brain rework, I think. When you're so used to games where it's like, here's here's the quest line, here's what you got to do, go there and do this, Mr. or Mrs. Player, and uh, you know, move on from there and so on and so forth. There's none of this, but it's really cool in that aspect as well. Like Even though it was jarring for me to start with, I really embraced this minimalistic, weird, survival-y, horror-y, whatever, biopunk world we're running around in. It was like gross slimy chef's kiss for me so i think it was a great choice by the 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 studio to not give any give any guide any any of that because i think it is the best way to make the player completely immersed in this experience of being this being like lost and figuring stuff out like you can be completely like attached to this character because you are just in that position. You've got no guide. You have to figure it out. You are lost and in this foreign space, just figuring it all out by yourself. So I think it was a brilliant choice. And as for me, my experience, I, I think I took it relatively, relatively easy. I don't know if it's just because I'm usually not a fan of a very linear, straightforward handholding experience in games. I like spending time. I like adventuring. I like figuring out stuff for myself. So loading into this game and it just telling me like, I'm not going to tell you anything. You figure it out. And I loved it. I, I loved that it gave me that option. And there's, I would say it would be like the second act um, where even then it was like, I'm like, there was a time where I was like, I'm wondering if the game will tell me I'm in the wrong space or if there's like alternative ways or, you know, and, and you, you can walk for quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And at first I'm like, either I'm going the wrong way or the game has done a clever job in guiding the player to feel lost, to feel kind of like in this barren landscape but then suddenly just somehow in the background still nods you in the right direction. Um, yeah. And then I, like I said, I stopped so many times, like the games, like obviously like, you know, expecting players just to continue on. And that's where I think the five hour playtime comes from with a lot of people. But I just, there was so many times where I just kind of stopped and just like looked around and I wanted to see what this little thing like breathing in the corner was or in that a second act just like noticing that there's things off in the foggy distance and mm -hmm. like like what is that am I ever going to reach that or is it like it was it was great I love environmental design and detail in video games I think it's 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 a very I sometimes I feel like it's a very left out point when people kind of review games or experience games and I 
it's the, it's those little details that I love and I think really can sell me on a story and experience. And so far, I like I love scorn and I know I understand why some people don't like it and it's probably not their kind of thing. But for me, um, it's been a great experience. I just can't wait to play more. Mm. I'm I'm with you. Like I've I've rolled credits on it now and and got the full experience. And the story was, I'm not going to spoil anything. The story was was very interesting and very memorable. The only mm. thing that uh, grinds my gears in Scorn is the combat. Like I'm not going to go into into specifics because it would spoil things in the game. But the combat is the only part in this game for me that lets the rest of it down. Like like you talked about the environments in the world and the environments themselves they're almost like another character in the game because it is living and breathing and squelchy and all that kind of stuff like there is so much movement whether it be subtle or really exaggerated in some of the worlds and environments you walk into it sort of is there alongside your character as you you explore this world and it's really great because yeah there's there's no real there's no voice lines, you know, there's no interactions. Your character's not there having little internal monologues about where he is or what's going on. There's no, oh, let's go over there. Like, it's just you and this world that's alive. And then this really, really great soundtrack done by Brian Williams and Addis Kutkurt, I think you pronounce the surname for. So the two composers behind this just accentuated this world effortlessly, it feels like. They go together like hand and twisted glove and it's really great and i'm very happy to know that this is an alley heart game because yeah this has been something we've been eyeballing for a good long time now we've been very excited for it and the fact that it's finally here and it's in your hands and it's meeting and exceeding i think all that hype and excitement you had for it um mm. in this very condensed gameplay like it's yeah five-ish hours you know maybe more or less depending on how fast or slow you are in exploring the world but it's a perfect little uncomfortable palate cleanser I think like not every game has to be 20 50 100 hours now like you can get a really great full complete experience in a matter of hours and Scorn does that on all fronts. I think that's sometimes what's missed with um, some people when, like, I understand getting more like what you paid for in a game and such. But then, in the on the contrast, like on the other shoe on the other foot, is that like when some people, some developers create games, they're creating experiences, they're creating, mm-hmm. um, you know, experiences for other people to experience and stories to tell, and and sometimes you just gotta like, like this. It's not going to be for everyone, but I just, I can, I can't go into more detail about how amazing of a job they've done just to absolutely just throw you in there and sell you on it, on selling you on like what the character, like what the character is going through and just how, like, like, like no text, nothing, nothing is going to happen in the game that kind of draws you out into the reality of your, like your world as, you know, the player, like it's just barren alien and absolutely like lost and i just think that i think they've done a great job with it not a lot of people have um thought the same unfortunately but i just i it's a very alley game Mm. it's it's anything but mainstream like you think of most of the games that come out and the the sort of beats that they follow and the way the mechanics work this is very unlike most games you will play that have come out this year or in the previous few years but the good thing is Ebb Software know exactly what they wanted to go out and achieve and they stuck to that. They didn't sort of buckle under any any mainstream societal pressures where they go, no, we need to put a map in, we need to put a compass or we need to have some voice lines or you know whatever it might be. They just went, no, this is the game we're going to release. This is how it's going to play and you're either going to love it or you're going to leave it, I think. And testament to, to Ebb, and, you know, even Microsoft, who obviously have been, yeah. been heavily behind this for a long time. Like, this game was was first announced in 2014, way back when, as part of, like, a little two-parter Kickstarter thing. And then it started gaining traction um, a couple of years ago. And then the exclusivity was was um, agreed upon in 2020 with, with Microsoft. And, you know, we've sort of been following it very closely, yourself and myself, for the last several years once it's uh, sort of hit that that mainstream platform there but uh yeah i think i think eb and everyone involved there at the studio has done exceptionally well 
I love the game. I love everything that you've mentioned and completely agree with what you're saying. But yeah, the only thing is just uh, when it comes to the combat part for me, that was bit of a letdown but overall this is one of my favorite and most memorable games of this year and, and most memorable games of uh, a good long while way beyond this year it's it's just creepy and unsettling and just I'm, I find myself being very curious about you know what's over there or what's this thing or why does that interact with me that way and like some of the puzzles and the squelchiness and having to having to stick your hands and fingers in the amount of things you've got to stick your hands and fingers in even though you know it's coming all the time, it still made me feel unsettled every time I do it because, you know, you're squelching in there and you're pulling this and moving that and interacting with this weird phallic demon thing on the wall and whatever else. And it's just, oh, it's just, it's the creepiest, grossest in all the right ways. Yeah. And like, it's like, it's kind of like my thoughts on like why the horror genre is one of the better genres in mm -hmm. movies and media is that it really can draw an emotion and feeling um, from like, like human experience, but it's it, a good horror movie or a good like thriller movie. It, it, it like it scares you it, it 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 makes your heart drop it makes you sweat like it it, it really you know it does I, for me it does more than what an action movie or you know a ro romance movie kind of does it really gets to the core and really like can unsettle you and stir stuff up inside you and that's why i think like especially a game like this where it does make you uncomfortable it does make you uneasy i think that's a credit to the game design and everything like that so but yeah i mean horror movie buff me in general of, i guess of course i was going to like a game like this and it's going to be a very yeah not not for everyone kind of game which is fine i just i always get worried because then if it's a game that's not for everyone does that mean they don't get the uh, opportunity to make more Mm, I'm very curious to see any sales out data on the game to see how it's performing. Obviously, it's on Game Pass, so there is a bit of a skew there where they would have just taken a a bag of money up front from Microsoft for that. But I'd love to know how successful it's been and hopefully we get more from Ebb because, uh, yeah, this Serbian studio hadn't heard of any of, the, any of their works before this, but they're certainly on my radar as far as if this is their wheelhouse, this this creepy sort of horror realm, if this is the kind of stuff they want to do, then um, yeah, go for it and uh, make all of those games because I want to get unsettled in gaming. And like you said, horror is one of just the best mediums. It hits differently whether you're playing a game, watching TV, film, reading a book. They just get you to another level of immersion and just vulnerability and uncomfortableness. Uncomfortableness? Is that a word? It's now. I understand it. Is it is now. <laughs> <laughs> But it just, it just, at least like I think with yourself and myself, we're in lockstep on this one. It just, the way it invokes emotion and what makes you feel is unlike those other genres can. And yeah, it's testament to, to Ebb. And uh, yeah, shout out to Scorn. I, I'm happily uh, endorsing it as 8-bit approved. I'm, I'm assuming you might be right there with me with some 100%. kind of weird phallic-based weapon. <laughs> 100%. I'm still looking forward to the infamous scenes that's been doing the rounds, but uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, there's some moments in this game. My God, my God. And um, yeah, talking about any of them would just be spoiling it for the audience, but do yourselves a favor. And if you've got uh, any, any capacity to get this, if you're on PC or Xbox, get on Scorn and, and give it a spin. Like it's, yeah, five-ish hours. You could smack it out over a weekend or a night or a couple of nights or a day or whatever it is. And you'll just have a very memorable, unique experience that will probably stay with you for uh, much longer than some of the other games you might be playing. Yeah. So like I reckon movie-wise, if you're a fan of like Aliens, obviously, um, or like even think like Event Horizon, mm -hmm. like... Um, it's the same kind of vibe, I reckon. That's my personal opinion anyway. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you there. Um, yeah, if, if, if you're a fan of that type of type of world, you'll be all about this scorn world and every creepy living thing that exists in there. But uh, speaking of horror, I've also rolled credits this past week on an, on I, I classify this as a horror game. I don't know if everyone would agree. I'd, I'd say that most that have played it probably would now. And that is um, A Plague Tale Requiem. So that's a survival horror game. It's the second entry into the Plague Tale universe uh, done by Asobo Studio. And Miss Hart, I'm not going to go 
into the nitty gritty. Uh, Jono and I are recording a spoiler cast for this one early next oh, week cool. to, to dive deep on this because this game, Miss Hart, all I'm going to say is it's one of my favorite games of the year. Uh, is, oh, really? is the way I'm going to lead this sucker off. It is so great. So it's following Amicia and Hugo. See, they're the, the two primary protagonists from the original game. They're a uh, sister and brother duo that uh, have escaped this disease running through southern France um, and the Inquisition and all these rats that have sort of been stir- uh, churned out from this Black Plague-like event that's occurred. And so it's following on from there um, a, a little bit down the line, not too far, like, you know, we're talking a matter of months or so since the end of A Plague Tale Innocence. And it picks up from there and, and you're trying to trying to find a cure for this plague and, and this issue and, and all the, the horrors and the atrocities that come from this. But I've just got to say, Hugo and Amicia, their relationship is one of my favourite relationships in all of video gaming. It is, this game really, really hit. Like we were just talking about Scorn having a nice five-ish hour runtime. This this is clocked in anywhere from, let's say, 20 to 25 hours. So it was it was a bit bit of a media game for me to, to sort of smack through, but I didn't find myself going, oh my God, this game's dragging along. Like the story is really well paced. The environments are varied. The gameplay loop, even though it is, is pretty consistent the whole way through, does give you a few different wrinkles to sort of, mix up the gameplay and the mechanics and the abilities and the weaponry and, and the, the things that are presented to you to to get through some of these puzzles because there is a lot of stealthing around and a lot of puzzles to solve. But it is just a very violent, bleak, depressed universe you're running around in. It is very emotionally heavy and some of the things that happen in front of you in this game really punch you in the guts. Like there is some... Big traumas, some big losses, some very big emotional moments in this game and some emotional payoffs, which is great too, that really, really hit me and made me feel some things in games that not many games make me feel. And holy crap, this is this is a gem. It, it improves on all the great things from the original and then, you know, ascends it into this next level. And I could not be happier with the game that Asobo Studio dropped. It's obviously, it's available on on switch it's on playstation it's on um, pc and then xbox through game pass as well so i know we're shilling it all the time but if you got game pass you can play scorn then you can jump straight into a plague tale requiem as well i don't think innocence is on game pass anymore though so you'll either have already had to have played that or maybe go watch like a, a recap video on youtube or just buy the game and play it through as well but this game is fantastic i love it i love it i love it and it just hit me in all the right ways. So emotional. Amicia is one of the best female characters in video games, in my opinion, ever. Like, and even saying that, like, the duo is like one, did you say it was like one of the... One of the best. Yeah, like up there with Ellie and... Ellie and Joel, yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and that's exactly what I thought. Like, I was playing this game and I was thinking of that... Crow relationship and that bond getting you know strained and stressed from last of us and different methodologies and, and ideas and emotions at stake and this is up there with those with with ellie and joel as far as amicia and hugo where uh yeah there's there's a bond and there's a love there and an adoration between these characters but it's just beautiful and it's real and it's strained and it's relatable and i can't get enough of it i I hope this isn't the last time we see uh, any any more from this Plague Tale world because I am eating it up by the bowlful and I will continue to devour this this universe if they decide to make more of it because this game, so great. I've seen some like positive stuff and a lot of people playing through the first one, I guess, um, in preparation for this uh, second, second, it's the second one, yeah? yeah second, second one, yeah. 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 Um, but like uh, for me personally, it's not my kind of thing. It looks like it's pretty linear. I'm surprised also you, you refer to it being horror. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Like not not in the in the straight sense of well, there is beat like these little these are rat plagues. Like it's yeah. scary and they come at you and they eat you and there's some jump scares and there's some moments where you're fearing for your life and it's horror in more like some of the things you see could be horrific i guess you could say and because it's stealthy you're always on the edge of your seat 
So there is, I, I'd classify it as a, as a survival horror game. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not not like a carbon copy of like a Resident Evil or a Silent Hill that we'll be talking about shortly. But yeah, there's definitely some horror elements to this game. And um, yeah, really, really creepy and twisted environments you stumble into. And it's funny because we we're talking about like gross, squelchy scorn. There's some parts in this game that like made me think of gross squelchy scorn because you go into some certain parts of, of the game and you're in these really creepy gross undercrofty areas with like living breathing caves and caverns and stuff and it's like have these guys been talking to Eb? Did they borrow some assets and chuck some of this grossness in there? Yeah. But it's really great. Plague Tower Requiem love it, love it, love it, love it, love it I'm saying from my side it's 8-bit approved and it's going to be one of my uh, games of the year so far. So uh, do yourselves a favour and check that out. I also very quickly wanted to say I went and watched Black Adam on Thursday. And holy guacamole, that's a movie. Yes, yes, it's a movie. Um, Was it great? Not really. The violence, cool. But the tone was just all over the shop. It went from like angsty, broody, Black Adam kills everybody to trying to be sort of a pseudo family man that cares. And I'm so sick of the trope in superhero films where they try and like insert like a teenager or a child as like a plot device. And then they have like the, the, like the, the lighthearted tone of of the kid doing cool kid like things or skateboarding and stuff like that. (laughs) Like piss all that off. Like if you're going to fully lean into anti-hero that, you know, superhero that kills people and doesn't give a fuck, just go balls to the wall with all that instead of trying to find a reason and purpose. Every market, yeah. Mm. So so it was just a little uneven in the tone for me, which kind of sucks because when it was violent and gritty and dark, I'm like, this is cool, more of this. But then it went into like Disney happy hour at times and I'm like, oh my God. And the antagonist... He was so forgettable, it's not funny. He had no skin in the game, and I had even less skin in the game for him. And How's yeah, Pierce it just Brosnan? didn't hit. Was that, sorry? Pierce Brosnan? He was great. He was one of my favorite parts of the whole film. He was just, he's just a dude. He's an old, handsome, elder statesman that is just suave. And the costume changes he has in this movie, he's wearing robes and suits and He would be vests. the only reason I would go and see that movie. Yeah, he's 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 um, a bit of a saving grace for the film. And, and The bet. Rock certainly gives it a crack. Like, I'll admire that The Rock's allegedly fought to get this film created for years and years and years and whatever else. But him and Pierce were great. Hawkman was fine, but then like Adam Smasher was in this and he was also just like this comedic element that just wasn't needed and just yeah. messed up the tone for messed me. Tones, and yeah. yeah, like it's fine. Like I don't regret it. I'd say, you know, these five out of tens that are going around, that's probably about where I'd score it. You know, it's a pass. It's a fine. Ooh. Um, based on our conversation, was it last week? How many drink placements were in this movie there was none that i noticed there was not one no energy drink no there was no no zoa which is his energy drink and and his tequila is like i think it's called terramana i didn't notice any of it so i was very surprised surprised. yeah and i was waiting for like like the decider of if this movie was going to be like completely trash or not, as if he busted out like one of his wrestling moves. That's what I always, cause you know, they always yeah, try and true. weave that into, into yeah. a combat scene with the rock. He Even did an elbow eyebrow. drop, but it wasn't like a people's elbow drop. It was more of a serious elbow drop. No eyebrow either. No people's eyebrow. No way. He mm. like, he's, he puts his eyebrow in every movie he's in at least mm. once. Yeah, no, nah, wow, he was smoldering. I'm he was shocked. smoldering all the time. The eyebrows are always down. He was like, mm, mm, very, genuinely shocked. Yeah, yeah. So, so maybe that was a requirement from DC to say, yep, yeah, no, no rock bottoms, no people's eyebrows, no. If you smell la 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 la, what the rock is cooking, it was was all pretty straight laced. But yeah, I don't know. It was it was fine. It's not the worst superhero film I've ever watched, but it's also definitely not anywhere close to the best. I won't be rushing out. That's for damn sure. Yeah, yeah. If you can, if you can find, you know, go cheap Tuesdays, or you can find it another way. I'd go, and definitely say go that way because, uh, yeah, paying twenty to thirty dollars for a ticket to see this, yeah, maybe maybe not the best. And unless you're some kind of DC or Black Adam tragic, then I don't really know what's in it for you. 
But <laughs> listeners, things that can be in it for you, uh, if you wanted to get some merch with us over at shopapit.net, you can get yourself inside T-shirts, hats, hoodies, socks, jocks, everything else in between over there at shopapit.net. The best in 8-bit related merchandise. If you want to support us monetarily, you can do so over at ko-fi.com forward slash we are 8-bit. And uh, if you want to win yourself an AT. HGL3 wired gaming headset from our friends over at Audio Technica. You can do so by jumping onto the socials and uh, finding one of our most recent tweets talking about our horror top five franchises. Next week is our annual THG Spooky Edition, and we're going to be talking about all things spooky, creepy, scary, and horrific. So let us know your top five horror gaming franchises to go in the draw to win an ATH GL3 gaming headset from our friends over at Audio Technica. But Miss Hart, what do you reckon? Shall we jump into the news? Let's do it. Oh yeah. This week's news headlines. In the first bit of news, the producer of Cyberpunk Edge Runners and CD Projekt Red's Japan country manager, Satoru Honma, has confirmed that the anime is an, in quotes, standalone work. My heart has shattered. In an interview with Famitsu via VGC, Honma stated that a second season was not in the works. The quote reads as follows. I personally would like to continue to work with Japanese studios to produce more anime in the future, partly because we received very good feedback. However, just to be clear, Cyberpunk Edge Runners was planned as a standalone work. God damn it. Like, I get it. Cyberpunk Edge Runners does tell a complete story, but I would also be very happy if they took one or multiple or none of these characters and just built it out further with this cyberpunk um, anime world that they are very uh, expertly crafted because uh, Edge Runners is one of my favorite things of 2022. But I am sad, Miss Hart. I'm so sad. Have you watched any more of it since we last spoke about Edge Runners? I have not. No, I haven't okay. really sat down and watched it. Um, but I can appreciate when someone has made something and made something successfully in a series sense and said, sorry, that's it. That was, that's all we had planned and that's all we're going to make. We're not going to um, get blood out of a stone. So um, it's like, it's, it's unfortunate because people did enjoy it and it did receive a pretty positive reception, but I'm, I'm glad that uh, people have the power to say that's enough. Once enough. Mm. I, 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 I'm with you. Like it's admirable that they're saying, we we've we had a beginning and a middle and an end that we wanted to set out and tell. We've achieved that. We've we've made our goal. We're happy the world loves it, but we're not going to go and water this down anymore. Mm-hmm. But I think there's certainly a world there that they've they've created and built upon from the game and the books that they could certainly explore more. So I'd love to see more anime done in the cyberpunk world, maybe not directly connected to Edge Runners, but yeah, I also respect that they've said, no, nah, we're done. We're happy with what we achieved. Your world's loving it. We're moving on. So, yeah, hat tip to them for that. And off the back of this, obviously, we're still seeing a million daily active players on Cyberpunk. Uh, this is now mm-hmm. four weeks in a row that we've got uh, a million daily players playing this game several years after it's been released. And they've also confirmed that the game has uh, sold over 20 million copies in total. So, uh, yeah, it's having a bit of a resurgence. We've got the the DLC for Cyberpunk 2077 coming out sometime next year. And some things we're looking at and working on internally here that we won't share at the moment that uh, will also potentially maybe coincide with some more cyberpunk stuff, which is exciting. All right, the next bit of news, not good news at all, Miss Hart, but G4, the video game television online network backed by Comcast, abruptly closed on October the 16th. So this past week, um, a memo was asked, um, and a memo to staff, which was published by Deadline, Comcast Spectacore CEO Dave Scott wrote of lower viewership and that G4 had not achieved sustainable financial results before relaying the decision to discontinue G, uh, discontinue G4's operations. As sudden as the end game was, it didn't surprise a number of now former G4 employees who believed the venture's end had been nigh for months. You can jump online and you can see a ton of, of chatter about this from former employees and other news experts and industry experts sort of breaking down the hows and the whys, but this came out of nowhere. It's very heartbreaking because, you know, this 
was um, in hiatus. What was it like? I think it was nine years since the original G4 closed. It was a, quite something a while, like, right? Yeah, something something along those lines. Nine, ten. I don't know why that ten sounds familiar, but it was quite some time. It was a lot of people's, um, like it was a nostalgia hit, really. It was like a lot of people grew up with it. So, um, I mean, we, we've dabbled or talked about it, and there's obviously a lot of mention online about people's opinions on G4 and then G4 coming back. Um, however, like in this particular article by Nathan Grayson at the Washington Post, he actually interviewed a bunch of employees in G4 and it was kind of like what I suspected, which was there was a lot of investment on uh, depending on these uh, like high value uh, streamer personalities and like there's, there were a lot of money was dropped into their mm-hmm. appearances and their like, you know, any association with G4 thinking that that would translate into their viewership like but it just it doesn't work like that like it really really doesn't work like that and uh, especially the money the money that has been mentioned oof i'd be i'd be pretty mad to be honest yeah just because you have a, a a very prominent social figure that's that's prominent on a streaming platform or a gaming personality it doesn't immediately mean that they're fans will follow them from project to project so yeah the, the output's not always going to equal the input in some of these regards and it sounds like yeah they they threw an absolute absurd amount of money to to bring this back up and hopes that the nostalgia coupled with the uh you know the presence and and the the personalities that they brought into this this sort of new cast for g4 would would ascend it to the previous heights it had or maybe even go further than that but that was not the case and no. yeah at the end of the day businesses want to make money and it sounds like g4 was probably hemorrhaging a lot of money mm-hmm. and they just said you know what this is not sustainable so they just went chop right then and there there was no telegraphing of this publicly to anyone else it was just this this memo came out and seeing all the the now former G4 employees finding out about this through someone else sharing it on social media or finding out about it, you know, second, third or fourth hand, it's, that's a bit upsetting. It is, yeah. The fact on that it weekend? was so impersonal. Yeah, on a weekend, yeah. people were like traveling and whatever else. But yeah, it sucks. But at the same time, yeah, if it's not sustainable, they're not going to just keep throwing money into a fire and, and hoping that it works. But yeah, that was... Uh, it came and went as as quick as as quick as you could you know imagine. So uh, Two this years, was, I think, right? Or not even, no, not even not twelve even months. That. So yeah. November was going to be the the one year anniversary That's from G four coming year, back. Yeah. So eleven months into the tenure, and uh, they went, you know what, this isn't for us, and uh, Comcast have decided to pull the plug. So yeah, we we hope that everyone affected by this will find employment elsewhere and be able to keep doing their thing. But uh, it's just further emphasis on this industry being very volatile. It's very, uh, very, very unstable and very scary. And you're there today and maybe not tomorrow, depending on, you know, figures and facts and funds. So good luck to everyone out there. And uh, yeah, it's a shame. I, truth be told, I didn't catch a minute of the new G4 content. So I can't even tell if it sort of hit those same highs and made those same nostalgia feels that the, the, the original or the prior generation could achieve. But I'm guessing a lot of the world didn't really resonate with it the same way as they did a decade ago. Yeah, I personally found it was more directed probably to a younger generation, um, to of audience. So there was a lot of times where I watched it and I'm like, uh, I'm either not getting it or I don't understand the angle here or I, I feel like the old person in the room. <laughs> so I switched it off quite a few times. So Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Because I know you were a big fan of the original G4. So, so knowing that... Um, yeah, like a, a fan. I, I casually watched G4 back in the day, but didn't have enough skin in the game to, to have probably a, a well-formed opinion. But uh, yeah, we just wish everyone the best out there that has been affected by this onwards and upwards. Uh, the next bit of news, uh, new Final, F- uh, Final Fantasy 16 trailer has arrived, shedding more light on a world that in some ways resembles an even more fantastic version of Ivalice, the realm popularized by Final Fantasy Tactics and Final Fantasy XII. As revealed in the new trailer, the land of Valisthea is evidently dying as its crystals slowly fade. A voiceover intones, darkness spreads as day gives way to twilight. The mother's flame now all but a flicker. We cannot live without the blessing of the crystals. So anyone that's listened to this podcast once or twice knows that uh, 
I'm I'm not anywhere close to a font of knowledge when it comes to Final Fantasy. You've dabbled in some of the Final Fantasy titles more than I have. I've played a couple here or there. I've only played two. Mm, I think three. I've only played two or three as well. But um, yeah, I've got no real skin in this game. I watched the trailer. I was very impressed by how pretty the trailer looked. The game, as Final Fantasy does and as is Square Enix tradition, makes these worlds and these trailers and these characters look stunning. It was a gorgeous two and a half minutes, I think, worth of trailer. And they even sliced some gameplay in at the back end. So you got Mm -hmm. to see some of the fighting and the summons and stuff like that. And it looks cool and I'll play it. But do I understand a thing that's going on in this world? No fucking way. No way at all. It sounds like there's, what, five or six different different continents, you could say, uh, with different rulers. Kingdoms, rulers. Yeah, yeah. different kingdoms. Kingdoms is probably a better word than continent. So, yeah, five or six unique kingdoms and they've got their own little unique biomes. But I don't know if those rulers you're going to, like, recruit to join your party ultimately to to save the world and light the crystals up again or if they're going to be protagonists or they're just going to be plot devices i don't know but um they're going to play a part in this game in some way shape or form but it looks stunning the game is scheduled to come out in summer of 2023 so that's going to be you know australian winter so anywhere from you know june to august potentially this game's going to come out next year pc and playstation exclusive I'm keen to play it, but as far as what's going on in this game, I ain't got no clue. It just looks pretty, and I'm down for more Final Fantasy. All I know is that like the crystals were a very prominent thing in the earlier stages of Final Fantasy franchise. I, th- I know I've played one of the early ones. I have no idea which one it was because I think I was playing it on an emulator. Um, but... Um, yeah, this one this one looks really impressive. I like the idea of all these uh, beings with their own unique uh, powers and abilities, and how that kind of plays into the into the story or narrative of the universe of Final Fantasy. But yeah, I mean, Final Fantasy fans looked excited, so that's a positive. Exactly, and I did <laughs> chuckle happy. that they did mention chaos once or twice in the trailer. Gotta so that chaos. made me that made me cackle a little bit when I watched that trailer. I think I watched it in the morning while I was doing a poo. So, uh, yeah. oh. shout out. Shout out to regular bowel movements. All right, the last bit of news we're going to be talking about, we've just titled this, Oh, the Horror. So we're going to recap both the Silent Hill and Resident Evil showcases. So we were very fortunate to have a Konami and Capcom back-to-back within a 24-hour period showcase mm. on two of the, the largest survival horror franchises the world has ever seen. And we'll start with Silent Hill because obviously that uh, took place on the Thursday for us in Australia or the Wednesday evening for those Americans. And uh, some new some wording here for both of these was taken from Eurogamer. So here we go. Konami finally unveiled everything it has cooking with Silent Hill, including a much-rumoured remake, a new movie, and even brand new games in the famous horror series. In case you missed it, here's a roundup of everything announced during the Silent Hill Showcase, dubbed Silent Hill Transmission. So we've got a debut trailer for uh, Bloober Team's much-rumoured Silent Hill 2 remake, which is set for PC via Steam and PlayStation 5. It's listed as a PlayStation console exclusive for 12 months, which suggests it will hit Xbox a year after launch. Next came the reveal of Silent Hill Townfall, developed by Stories Untold and Observation Maker No Code alongside Annapurna Interactive. This one remains something of a mystery. Expect more in the new year on that one. Moving on, we heard about a brand new Silent Hill film, Return to Silent Hill. Christoph Garns, director of the 2006 Silent Hill movie, returns for this new flick. Filming and casting is still currently in the works, so this one won't be out for a little while. We then got another brand new Silent Hill game called Silent Hill Ascension. Ascension is described as a live, real-time interactive series in which players watch together as the story plays out. You can change outcomes and be part of scenes. There are a handful of companies involved in this one, including Genvid, JJ Abrams, Bad Robot Games, Dead by Daylight Developer Behavior, and DJ2 Entertainment. Expect a 2023 launch for that. And finally, Konami ended the show with a brief teaser for a brand new Silent Hill game called Silent Hill F. It's a new Silent Hill story set in 1960s Japan, written by Japanese visual novel specialist Ryokishi 7. So, Miss Hart, this this went for collectively, what was it, 40 minutes, something like that? Silent Hill Transmission was a little bit less. 
I can't it was remember. Hard, it was hard to figure out because I watched. I was watching someone watch it on a stream, but then apparently what happened is they accidentally dropped it before the time. Like they oh, they okay. just they dropped the entire stream in like like before the allocated t- countdown or whatever. So mm-hmm. I, I was finding it really hard to decide like. Am I watching it live or is are other people watching it live? So, yeah. But um, it, it was a good chunk of stuff. Um, I actually was pretty surprised with how much they announced and how detailed they were, actually. You and me both. Like, we've all been clamoring for a new Silent Hill game or a remake for a good long time. And we got yeah. that with Silent Hill 2, which Bloober Team's involved in. You know, that's been a little bit of a divisive, delicate talking point because... They released the medium last year, which which has some very similar Silent Hill moments to it, and it wasn't yeah. reviewed the best. So, the internet is a little uneasy on Bloober Team working on the Silent Hill Two remake. It looks great, showing the side by sides of, of stills and stuff from the original and then the the new version. You can see the, the graphical jumps, and it looks like it's going to be all types of creepy and terrifying. But goddamn, uh, Konami outside of just making poker machines and pachinko games, they have been hard at work on reinvigorating Silent Hill here where we've got yeah, Silent Hill 2 Remake, uh, the Silent Hill Townfall, which is a, a game done by Stories Untold and, and uh, No Code. I reckon that could be good because Observation is a hell of a game and Adapurna Interactive is a great um, publisher as far as gaming goes, especially in that more unique artsy horror creepy realm yeah uh, the fact that we've got a remake or a sequel to the 2006 silent hill movie which i still think is one of the best video game to screen adaptations of all time yeah i actually really enjoy it so <laughs> so going back to that with the original director as well christoph garns is awesome they had a good deep dive with him and some of the writing team involved and they really sort of peeled back some of the layers as far as the film, what they want to do and why they've gone back. So that was kind of cool to see. Silent Hill Ascension, this real-time game, is this going to sort of follow similar beats to, to stuff that like um, Supermassive are doing with uh, the Dark Pictures anthology games and, and that type of gaming mechanic, you reckon, where, where you're going to be controlling characters but... You'll have have choices to play out where they could live and die, and what that's what my thoughts could be. But I could be way off the mark. But if it is, I'm in. Well, see, like uh, when that this was the one announcement where I was really confused with what they were actually trying to sell us. Um, a lot of people kind of had like ideas, like I th- like I think yours is the most consistent. But like, what if it's like this weird? Like, remember a, a few months back we saw this group that was doing a live action kind of horror movie thing where people would decide what happens in the next episode kind of thing and it's live it's like real people in live oh I'm, yeah i'm what wondering was that called i can't remember um but i, think I, I nearly like kick-started that maybe um i can't remember its name though um but like that's about the only other one that feels like it it, it kind of matches these details where it's live real time interactive series so i don't know if it's like going to be like shown with like real time actors or like yeah or what the definition of live means like yeah mm. so this was the one announced where i was like i was like uh oh, uh oh, mm. because it's got like jj abrams name attached to it which they're going to flaunt a lot um, so, you, you know, they got our attention, but they also didn't tell us enough. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's interesting because in the notes here from Eurogamer, they sort of say expect a, like a 2023 launch. So like, you know, 2023, we're on the doorstep of next year mm-hmm. and this game's potentially coming out then. Like I've, I've been enjoying playing like live, live types of games, um, ones where the, the narrative will pivot based off decisions. Like we talked about. Uh, from Dusk Falls, The Quarry, uh, the Dark Pictures Anthology games, even Immortality, which is, you know, FM, so if they lean into like FMV in this oh, way, I don't know. Like if this could be I like a Silent Hill SMV that you could interact with, let's get it. Like if that's what they do ultimately, woohoo. But uh, it looks yeah. looks quirk or it sounds very interesting it and very un-Silent yeah. Hill, which I'm down for. And then getting the, the teaser for Silent Hill F, which is this this sort of game that's going to be set in 1960s Japan. It's got an inter- it'll have an interesting vibe to it, completely different location from, you know, central small town America, which is kind of cool. And 
maybe they'll start to lean into all the Japanese folklore and, and get into all the creepy, awkward and grossness that is uh, from that sort of Japanese horror vein. So um, I'm very curious about that one too. But my God, we went from no Silent Hill for years to they, they backed up the truck and just lifted the tray and Silent Hill was just falling out everywhere. Like we yeah. are drowning in Silent Hill now. Yeah, I like the way that they kind of like went into detail of like each kind of segment and then broke it down a bit. They also went into a bit about collectibles. Um, Silent Hill F looks interesting. I like this kind of floral, fungi, organic kind of detail that they showed in the little snippet video kind of announcing it. Um, I don't know if Silent Hill made a choice um, to, to call it Silent Hill F. All I know is that the Fs in chat were in abundance. Um <laughs> But it, it uh, like when a game is going to kind of have a story um, written by someone that is like a visual novel specialist, um, it sounds pretty promising because um, you, you would assume that they'd be um, very uh, like uh, like like visually in storytelling. So the visual aspect of getting a, a story across, especially for the Silent Hill franchise, um, should be good. Um, should be very detailed and I, I hope that we do kind of go down maybe a different angle than we're used to for Silent Hill. Still scary, but just yeah, let, let's kind of like curb it a little bit. Yeah, I think so. It's it sounds like this this diverse offering of titles they've got coming out will be something for everybody. It's it sounds like it's not gonna be the same formula over and over with these games. So you're gonna get little different experiences depending on which game you pick up. So yeah, I'm very, very excited for this. Like we we shit can Konami here you know, semi-frequently on the show when they come up in conversation, but it's nice to see that clearly they've been working hard on one of their biggest and most beloved franchises. Uh, will we will we get a announcement next year, maybe where they're doing a ton of similar things with Metal Gear or Castlevania? Maybe, hopefully, who knows? But at least they've been uh, hard at work on the, the world that is Silent Hill. So uh, shifting gears to Silent Hill's probably biggest nemesis, uh, we're going to be talking about Resident Evil here. So we had the uh, the Resident Evil showcase as well. And uh, Capcom has given perhaps the best look yet at its highly anticipated Resident Evil 4 remake and shared a little bit more on its various other Resident Evil projects in its latest video showcase, which aired overnight, with the remake getting both new gameplay footage and a new story trailer. On the gameplay front, Capcom shared an action-packed couple of minutes of its RE4 remake, starting with a sequence from early in the game that sees protagonist Leon skulking through the woods before stumbling across a seemingly abandoned barn. It's a suitably atmospheric sequence, showing off the remake's various visual upgrades and one that segues into a chaotic outdoor battle as Leon is swarmed by Ganado. Inevitably, things come to an end with our old friend Chainsaw Guy, but Leon somehow manages to keep his head on this time around. Following its latest gameplay reveal, Capcom discussed the remake in a little more detail, explaining its goal is to pay respect to the original game's world while implementing new ideas and state-of-the-art graphics to strengthen the core concepts of the title. That is to say, it will provide a fresh experience with a sense of familiarity to the uh, if you play the original that both newcomers and veterans to Resident Evil 4 will enjoy. Some of those newly implemented ideas include a broader range of attacks for the Ganado, as well as a newly added and extremely bloody knife parry maneuver for Leon. There's also a new trade mechanic for the merchant, giving players the option to exchange gems they've found on their travels for special items. As previously announced, the Resident Evil 4 remake will launch for PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X slash S and PC, excuse me, and PC via Steam on the 24th of March next year. Capcom has now confirmed players with the PS4 game will be able to upgrade for the to the PS5 version for free as well. They also then highlighted um, a little bit more on the Resident Evil DLC. Um, mm. That's obviously the Winter's Expansion, which is dropping this coming week, highlighting and playing, showing some gameplay of that. But Resident Evil 4, the remake, was certainly the hero part of this showcase. And goddamn, am I excited. It looks stunning. I like the new little gameplay wrinkles and additional uh, attacks and mechanics they've, they've implemented into the game. Resident Evil 4 is one of my favorites in the franchise. I think, was that your first Resident Evil? If I remember you played, that was your first you played, right? Yep, that was my first Resident Evil. What are you feeling about this? As, as that was like where you sunk your teeth into this universe way back when, seeing it now reimagined for the new generation and obviously looking 
miles better than it did a decade plus wow. ago. Are you hyped? Are you going to be going back? I'm not going to be going back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um it does it looks it like it looks good there's like little there's still like these little segments that i'm seeing of like the gameplay where i'm like has has it been upgraded or is this still looking pretty pretty plain How i don't dare you? i don't know i don't know where this like level of expectation now that this higher standard that i'm setting to games is coming from but you fidelity elitist you yeah like fucking pc gaming man i'm spoiled um but like, like either way, like all this Resident Evil content that's coming back, that's a revitalizing and bringing back to like either previous players or to new players and everything. I think it's great. Um, Resident Evil overall is a great experience. Um, and this one, Resident Evil 4, like I think it's a favorite amongst most Resident Evil fans. I think it's fair to say. Like I enjoyed my time with it when I played it. Um that fucking quick time event bullshit uh, scared well, the bejesus out of me. Did Did you see that they've they've confirmed there's going to be far less QTEs in this game? So all those quick time events, I think they're scaling them back for other other types of interactions. So there's not there, there'll still be a few, but nowhere near as um, frequent as they were in RE4. I mean, to be fair, I think they were trying to sell that whole like you know, yeah. You, it's this isn't like a video you're actually gonna be shocked that you're gonna actually have to do something mm. right now don't sit back and relax you and some of them came out of nowhere in the original like where you were like halfway through sipping on your tea or whatever and they're like, oh shit i'm gonna press this button really quick <laughs> i remember the first time it happened with the i think it's the chainsaw guy i was just like like the video sequence like the started and i'm like cool and i sat back and i put the controller on the table and then it was just like press a press a i'm like oh and then you did. And <laughs> you then I died. died. Yeah. So. But it looks great. I'm excited as hell for this. Like this, this was a big divert from from Resident Evil. After the first three games, this was a real sort of shift of pace and, and focus, and lent more into the the action and the, you know the combat style, the the camera change, the world. Like this was a big like reset for Resident Evil and. I'm excited that they are just gradually working their way through the Resident Evil chain as far as remakes go. Um, mm. Sadly, they, they missed one. They did obviously RE2 and then Nemesis, but they didn't do one. So hopefully they, they go back and do that eventually. But I'm not sad that we're getting four and that we're getting four of, in March of next year. It's interesting because, you know, there was one common thread here between both these showcases and it makes me chuckle because obviously there's still the the legal discourse off the back of Microsoft purchasing Blizzard Activision and Sony kicking up a stink regarding Call of Duty and exclusivity and da-da-da, but yet they've paid for 12 months exclusivity for the Silent Hill 2 remake. And then there's also in here that mention about where if you're an owner of Resident Evil 4 on PlayStation 4, you can upgrade for free for PlayStation 5. So it sounds like Sony have been wheeling and dealing and that's awesome. It's pro-consumer if you're a Sony player, which is great, but it's that whole have your cake and eat it too thing where they kick up a stink and get pissy about this acquisition because COD, COD apparently is is the game that's going to make or break a platform if you don't have it or you do. And yet there's all these other deals going on around the place that uh, you know a pro-consumer if you're in that ecosystem, but if you're not, then you, you miss out. So uh, just wanted mm. to highlight that because I thought that was funny that... Yeah, Sony gets mentioned for both of these showcases for having some timed exclusivities or yeah. unique upgrades that the other platforms don't. So yeah. uh, I see you, Sony. I love <laughs> you, Sony, but I see you. I see you. Watching. But I'm excited. Some great reveals, some great announcements, some great gameplay slices from both Silent Hill and Resident Evil. I can't wait to play the Winters expansion this week and see what happens with Rose and all her little powers. But it's just so busy with games at the moment this week. It's, I'm yeah. about to start dipping into Gotham Knights, which I'm kind of scared to do, but I need to. But at the same time, um, the games we'll be talking about in very short order will uh, be keeping many a person busy. So let's jump across to that. New releases and events. So we're talking about things coming out between the dates of October 24th through to the 31st. Um, as far as podcasts go, you will be hearing that A Plague Tale Requiem spoiler cast right here on the Hungry Gamers RSS feed dropping sometime this coming week. 
as far as things making their way to the small screen. A show on Disney Plus called Chefs vs. Wild, which uh, piqued my interest. I'm going to mm. give that a look. And also, Big Mouth, the sixth season of that is dropping on Netflix this week. I can't believe there's been five seasons of Big Mouth already. Shout out Nick Kroll. Yeah, he's, 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 he's everywhere. He's, uh, you know, talking about getting blood from a stone. He is, uh, he's drowning in the blood he gets from that stone of his because uh, he'd he be everywhere, very really talented. Is. And Big Mouth is funny, but I don't think I've watched it since maybe parts of season three. I've never watched it. It's fun, but, like, how, how much prepubescent sort of shock comedy can you get? And I guess, well, at least six seasons. So well, Someone's watching it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And as far as things going, they're uh, popping up on the big screen this week. We've got Bros and The Woman King coming to cinemas here in the AU. Games dropping this week. There's some big ones amongst this offering. We've got Garbage Pail Kids, Mad Mike, and The Quest for Stale Gum. What year is it? <laughs> I what don't know, Miss year Hart. is it? How many kids actually like know what the fucking Garbage Pail Kids are? Yeah. Not many. And even like, you know, we grew up when they were a thing. Yeah. And even my mind is hazy. I just remember they were just like gross, like boogery, crude, dull kids with a cartoon on ABC, I think. Oh, no. Didn't they? Uh, how I remember them is they were like collector cards with the gum. Oh, okay. Didn't they have a show as well? They might have had a show. I don't know what came first. That's but I, I remember them and the gum was like... um. You know, like the really shitty gum that's kind of... I don't know how else to describe it, but powdery. Um, that, that's, and, and that was a lot of that. Like That was like the same... That was like a thing when we were kids. Like, like when like you have the fake tattoo gum. Yeah, yeah. wrapped oh. in the gum. That had that powdery taste as well. Yeah. I used to love those. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. So, it started in 1985. So, we weren't even alive at the time when they came out. And they started with trading cards with gum. And they were a parody of the Cabbage Patch Kids dolls. Yeah. So they yeah. were the gross version of that. And then from there, they've got yeah TV shows, um, car, toys, video games, movies. There was books made. But yeah, now they've got another game coming out in 2022 called Mad Mike and the Quest for Stale Gum. So maybe they're just taking a piss there with the stale gum thing. Probably because it, it was rough. Yeah, it was not a good time. All, all those sort of fad-based gums where it was like you get a toy or you get a, a, a fake temporary tattoo, always the gum was the worst part of it. Yeah, it was. But I, I mm. loved the temp- I was uh, loved temporary tattoos. <laughs> it's honestly shocking that I'm like not as covered as well, essentially you are. Like, Give <laughs> love it time. that shit. Give it time. <laughs> all right, other games coming out this week. Saturnalia is coming out as well on the 27th of October. Signalis, 27th of October. Star Ocean, the Divine Force. That's another game that I want to play. I'm such a slut for Star Ocean. I love, love, love me some JRPG. And Star Ocean was the first JRPG uh, that I played, would have been easily maybe 12 years ago now. And it was one of... The first uh, JRPGs I played that had real-time combat and it just hooked me and I was playing it religiously when it came out. So I'm excited to see what the Divine Force is all about. We've also got the uh, very divisive now Bayonetta 3 coming out on the Switch this week. Uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 has just crept up out of nowhere and it's dropping this week and it's going to sell tens of millions of copies. Ain't no doubt about that. Now we've also got Resident Evil Reverse, which is the mm-hmm. the multiplayer experience of Resident Evil, which is going to be a time. And then Resident Evil Village making its way to the Switch and Resident Evil Village, the Winter's Expansion DLC coming out this week as well. So plenty of games, whether it be full entries, um, you know, DLC added to existing instances or just weird ones like Mad Mike and the Quest for Stale Gum. So plenty of things to do and see this week as we make our way to Halloween and then into November. Holy hell, it's November. Yep. Nelly. Nelly. Yeah, but the, the year is slowly creeping to an end. And we still Scary have a times. few games to, still to look forward to. So We do indeed. We do indeed. Yeah, like Call of Duty, Mad Mike and the Quest for Stale Gum, which is going to be a All the earner. classics. <laughs> All the classics. And then we've got obviously got a War Ragnarok in a couple of weeks. We've got the yeah. Callisto Protocol at the start of yes. December. Yes. Good times, Miss Hart. Good, good times. But uh, anything else you wanted to mention or shout out before we look to close this sucker down for another week? 
I'm the weeb this week. I watched Chainsaw Man. How good is it? It's 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 good. Like I'm I'm oh. I'm, I'm I'm like I'm, I could see. I just I don't understand why I feel like I've been seeing Chainsaw Man for ages. Like people, it's been getting hyped it, up for a year plus. Is it really? Is that yeah. all it is? Like because that's the only thing I couldn't figure out was when my husband said to me like No no like the episodes are only just coming out now. Mm-hmm. I'm like. No, like I've seen Chainsaw Man for ages now. I've seen people talk about it. I've seen that character with the horns. Um, what was her name? It was like one word. Fury? Something I think it like is that. Fury. Force? Um, but I like I felt like I've been seeing that everywhere. And it's like it's only just started. But like yeah. I get it. It's like it's you know, it's violent, it's fun, it's wacky, so it doesn't take itself too seriously, which is good for me. That's usually what I look for in anime. Yeah, and it's very pretty. Like, even though it is visceral, it's very well animated. And, yeah, the story is great. The characters are very unique and memorable. And, yeah, I can't wait to see where this season goes. I haven't read any of the manga. I've only watched the first, what, two episodes that are available now. But, two, um, yeah. yeah, it's so great. And Miss Hart, I know you have, or oh, well, I hope you haven't watched any of it yet because you haven't said a word to me about it, but you've got to go get on your boy Kong Ming. You were the one that highlighted this, what, six months ago? Yeah. I yeah. am obsessed. Obsessed. I rewatched, like, I've watched the whole the whole uh, dub, I mean the whole sub, and now that the dubs are dropping weekly and the, yeah. the fifth episode has dropped just now in the dub, but I've watched the whole season through subbed and i've been re-watching the dubs like every other day i'm just so obsessed and the soundtrack uh, it's so great i, I want to learn that da- like i'm not a dancer but i'm gonna learn that dance the intro dance yeah. oh my god <laughs> it's the best it's the best high dive is a bit of a shitty app to navigate especially on apple tv there's some sort of intricacies in there you need to to sort of click and know when to press a button so it doesn't just freeze on you but uh there's some good content on there and i I need to share my login with you so you can get on your boy kong ming because it's so good Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's so good but uh apit nation that brings us to the end of episode 304 of thg be sure to rate you subscribe us as well as all the other podcasts you listen to on the regular miss Hart, you got anything else you want to say yeah, just a reminder for everyone to check out our Twitter social media. We have a post about the whole Halloween uh, top five favorite uh, Halloween, uh, not Harold, Halloween, horror game franchises and such like that. Get involved. Tell us what you think. Tell us what your opinions are and we'll be able to kind of unpack that further. Exactly, exactly. We wanted to sort of take a, a bit of a temperature check of the 8-Bit Nation there and we'll try and put like a, an average of that to see what the overall community says. And we're also going to be joined by a very special guest host, Kat Benstead, yes. joining us on our spooky edition. She is one of the, the horror savants of the AU and even global community now. Who, uh, And yeah, it's going to be cool to have a bit of a font of horror-based knowledge joining us next week as we uh, riff on all things spooky and scary But 8-Bit Nation, that brings us to the end of this episode officially. But until next time, much love. And stay hungry. You've been listening to The Hungry Gamers, one of many gaming and geek culture-related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry. Stay hungry.